Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Welcome to TLCC at the Movies. I'm Ryan Moore, pastor of care here at TLCC. Today, I'm going to be focusing on Secretariat the Movie, and we will examine the theme of reaching your full potential in God. Hey, Hopefully you have your popcorn, your snacks ready as we engage today's message, um, today's teaching together. In the chat, let us know what your favorite microwave popcorn is. Maybe it's the Act 2 buttery kettle corn. Maybe it's the Skinny Pop uh, sea salt popcorn for all the gluten-free people out there. Maybe it's the Orville Redenbacher's Ultimate Butter Popcorn, the legendary Orville Redenbacher. Hey, maybe it's none of those, but let us know what your favorite snack is. Put it in the chat today um, as we go through our teaching time. Hey, the purpose of this series is to explore biblical truths behind Hollywood's biggest blockbuster movies. Our intention through this series is to display and showcase Jesus. Our children's ministry of TLCC has developed a discussion guide series for parents. What a wonderful way, excellent way for parents to engage your children around biblical truths and have some family fun time as well, like taking in a movie. Sadly, because of copyright issues, we aren't able to play the full movie clips from the movie. To make this experience really good, we want to make sure that we give you those images and clips, and then you can actually go and watch the movie at your leisure. Let me give you some facts about the movie, Secretariat. In 2010, this drama, this sports drama film, was produced and released by Walt Disney Pictures. Written by Mike Rich and Sheldon Turner, it was based largely on William Knack's 1975 book, Secretariat, The Making of a Champion. The film chronicles the life of the thoroughbred racehorse Secretariat, the winner of the Triple Crown in 1973. Diane Lane plays Secretariat's owner, Penny Chinnery, who takes over the stables of her ailing father despite her lack of racing knowledge. The film premiered in Hollywood in September 2010 and earned $60 million on a $35 million budget. It was a good bet for them. Facts about the horse, Secretariat, was a champion American thoroughbred racehorse who is the ninth winner of the American Triple Crown. The Triple Crown is three races consisting of the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and also the Belmont Stakes that a horse must win to be a Triple Crown winner. Secretariat set and still holds the fastest time record in all three of these races. He is regarded as one of the greatest racehorses of all time. He became the first Triple Crown winner in 25 years back in 1973, and his record-breaking victory in the Belmont Stakes, which he won by 31 lengths, is widely regarded as the greatest race in history. During his career, he won five Eclipse Awards. Eclipse Awards is the equivalent of an MVP in your division, really, of racing, uh, including Horse of the Year honors at ages two and three. He was nominated to the National Museum of Racing Hall of Fame in 1974 and is in the list of the top 100 U.S. racehorses 
in the 20th century. Hey, how many of you online have watched the Kentucky Derby or maybe you're a big fan and you've watched the Haskell Invitational that takes place right down the shore at Monmouth Park? Let me know in the chat. Hey, thoroughbred horses are bred and born to run. They are bred and born also with speed and stamina. The thoroughbred is beautiful to the eye and explosive to watch when racing. At the centerpiece of the sport, the race horse is highly competitive and generates spectator excitement. Every horse trainer enters their horse into a race to win. Secretariat and his trainer and owner had that in mind every time he raced. One of the first slides we want to look at is a race that took place back in 1972, July 31st, 1972 at Saratoga Park in Saratoga Springs, New York. It was a six far long race, which is three quarters of a mile. And it was an allowance race. An allowance race is just that. You're allowed in the race because you have won a race before this race. And so he's taking that next step up because he won at least one race in a lifetime. And so as the race begins, he's in the, the stalls and he's behind the pace, but he only has six furlongs, three quarters of a mile to catch up. And he makes his big move to get to the finish line. This is one of Secretariat's biggest wins of his career to start out to be a champion horse. The first principle that we understand here today is this. We need to run to win. We need to run to win. No trainer, no jockey, no owner comes into the race going, I hope we lose. God puts us in positions to win and to grow and to display his fame to others around us as we spread his love in ever-widening circles. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul challenges the people in Corinth and us to run with purpose. He calls us to run to win. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, the NIV version says this. Do, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like something, someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. During the time that Paul was writing this, the Ismithian games were very popular. It was the equivalent of the Olympics. These games were held in Corinth, and they were staged every two or, or three years. It was a big deal. To win these games was the pinnacle of athletic achievement. Today, such a, a win in one of these games would give you a multi-million dollar endorsement and get you celebrity status of all kinds. To win these games, it would be the equivalent of being elected into the Hall of Fame. It was the closest thing to becoming immortalized in athletic competition. 
So to qualify for the games, you had to undergo a 10-month training regimen. The last month of the training you had, had to take place in Corinth under the watchful eye of officials. It was to these athletic events that Paul turned his analogy of the Christian life. Paul observed that though many people enter a race, only one stands on the winner's platform. In a horse race, only one horse goes to the winner's circle unless there's a dead heat. But for the most part, only one horse goes to the winner's circle. Every horse trains with the idea of one day standing in the winner's circle to receive trophies, flowers for their owners, but almost all the time for them, more hay and more carrots. Paul says the Christian life is like this. It is the pursuit of a prize. As the athlete, the horse, pursues a prize, so does the believer. Paul says there are two differences. In verse 25, the crown of the athlete or the equine athlete is perishable. It will fade or wilt. The crown we seek as believers is imperishable. Second, Paul implies that unlike the athletic games, there's just one winner. We can all gain the prize if we're faithful. So we do not compete against each other. And so what is the crown that we are seeking? In the Bible, we are told that there be rewards given to those who are faithful. And one of those rewards will surely be the reward of knowing that you were used by God to bring someone else to faith in Jesus Christ. Imagine how wonderful it would be, and it will be, when you walk around heaven and see those who are in heaven because you were faithful in sharing the truth to them, that the circles that you entered in this life had eternal purpose personally for you and those that you spoke to and engaged with. I can't imagine a greater reward. As a teacher, certainly a teacher would feel great joy when they watch one of their students excel. A coach draws great joy and satisfaction when his or her athlete uh, grabs hold of an athletic scholarship. A physician or a surgeon is encouraged from seeing people who are well today because they identified a problem. A farmer draws satisfaction from harvesting a good crop. So take these temporal joys and multiply them a hundred times and perhaps you will have some idea of what a rich and eternal reward it will be to see someone in heaven through your faithfulness. Our ultimate blessing and reward would be to hear the Lord say to us, well done, well done. A child playing ball will often search the stands to see his or her parents. Why? Because they desire the approval of the people who are most significant to them. When, when someone says to you, and someone that loves us says to us, good job, or I'm proud of you, it's a very significant moment. How much more significant will it be to stand before our precious Redeemer and Lord and hear him say, you served me well. You ran the race well. In your home, you ran the race well. At the office, you ran the race well. In the community, you ran the race well. And even in your friendships and relationships, 
You ran the race well. That will be a reward surpassing any medal that the world can offer us. And so I hope right now you're, you're, you're revved up and you're running to win. And maybe you are running to win. And maybe you want to go to the kitchen right now and run and get some more snacks <laughs> um, as we head down the backstretch of this message. Our second slide is this. It's a prep race that Secretariat enters right before the Kentucky Derby. Back in 1973, the race is called the Wood Memorial Stakes. It's a, a thoroughbred horse race for three-year-olds held annually at Aqueduct Racetrack in New York in the month of April. It is run at a further distance, a distance of a mile and an eighth, which is nine furlongs on dirt. The Wood Memorial is one of the major prep races on the road to the Kentucky Derby. This is significant in the movie and for Secretariat as a champion horse because he's running, at, he has ran at shorter distances, but now he's stretching out, as they say, and he's running at a longer distance. He has great speed, but at a longer distance, you need endurance as well, which plays a huge and major factor. As horse race analysts would say, it's not how fast you go, it's how you go fast. And so our second point that we see in this particular clip is setbacks have purpose. Setbacks have purpose. This is a race that Secretariat came up short. He didn't win. And it was a setback. But that setback had a purpose. We see in Scripture, Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 through 20, how setbacks have purpose in our life. The Bible says this, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I'm in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. How does God use our setbacks to bring us to his place? Well, we're going to use Joseph as an, as an example. And I would like for you to just read those uh, passages of Scripture in your leisure. But one of the Scripture verses is, is in the chapter is Genesis chapter 37. Joseph was in a situation here. His brothers had thrown him in a pit to sell him to traders. They, they took his coat of many colors that his mother had made and put goat's blood on it and sent it back home to mom and dad with the message that some beast had eaten him and devoured him. Joseph started off with some problems, didn't he? He was the youngest son of all of his brothers, and, and, and all of his brothers hated him. His father sent him on a mission, and all of a sudden he's thrown into a pit, and his coat is taken from him, and his family thinks now he's dead. That's bad. Later on, he was sold into the Ishmaelites, and they sold their brother into slavery. He was in trouble, but the Bible said that God was with him. It doesn't matter what you go through. God is always right there with us. All of a sudden, he ended up at Potiphar's house in Genesis chapter 39. And later on, Potiphar took on Joseph and made him the head of his house. He put him in charge of over everything. Potiphar went on a journey, and Joseph was there running the house, and Potiphar's wife began to lust after Joseph. There's another problem here. 
But Joseph didn't take heed to her advances. He stood for God and what was good. She ripped off his coat as he was running away. And as we always see, he's always running from trouble. But when Potiphar came home, she lied to him and she said, the servant you brought into the home, he tried to be with me or lie with me. Potiphar got angry. He didn't check in with Joseph. He just believed what she said. And so he cast him into prison. Genesis chapter 41, one day Pharaoh had a dream and he wanted the dream interpreted. And the servant said he remembered a boy in prison named Joseph that interpreted dreams. Pharaoh sent for Joseph and Joseph interpreted the dream and all of a sudden Pharaoh put him in charge of his house. I'm telling you all this to say this, even though he had a lot of problems along the way in this life, God was always with him and he ended up in the place of God. So by the time we get to Genesis chapter 50 and his brothers are thinking, we're going to face Joseph, he's probably going to, you know, be vengeful towards us. He's going to get his revenge now. Joseph says to him in verse 19, do not fear. I am in the place of God. Here's what I want us to know. God uses our setbacks to bring us to his place. The Wood Memorial was a prep race that brought Secretariat to the place of being the best horse in the history of horse racing. But he had a setback that had what? Purpose. So many times we look at setbacks as something that can destroy the purposes of God for us. You go through things in life and you begin to wonder, why? Why me? Why is this happening, God, at this particular moment in time? But I want you to know that if you're a child of God, God is with you. And God is going to bring you to the place where he can use you best. God uses our setbacks for his purposes. Well, tell me how, Pastor. Well, A, number one, God uses setbacks in our lives to direct us. That's how Joseph got to where he was. Psalms 25, verse 4 says this, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Our ways are not his ways. Our faults are not God's faults. The Bible said that God prepared a great fish, if you know the story of Jonah, and the, the fish swallowed up Jonah. And when they, they threw jo Jonah overboard, that fish got hold of him and took him to the depths of the sea. And Jonah, what, prayed the second time. He said, Lord, if you get me out of here, I'll go wherever you want me to go. God uses our setbacks to get you in his place. Jonah went to preach to the city of Nineveh, and the whole city was called to life. Everyone came to know God. Every soul was saved there. And so I'm, the, the, what I'm posing here is this. Maybe God is trying to use our setbacks to get us where we need to be, his place. God will get you there because he wants you to be there. And setbacks have purpose. The second way God uses setbacks is God uses setbacks to bring good in our life. Rick Warren puts it this way, God can take the mess in your life and bring a message out of it. He can take the test in your life and create a testimony out of it. And he can take a crisis and show Christ through it. God doesn't waste any 
experiences that we have. Joseph was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He ended up in Egypt, but God gifted him and made a way for him to become the prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And when famine threatened the very existence of God's people, God used who? Joseph to supply the grain that his people needed. And when his brothers came to him starving, Joseph said to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. I want you to know this. The evil setbacks in our life that were supposed to be a grave, God turns them into gardens for us. How does God use our setbacks? He uses our setbacks then to help others. One of the most common ways God uses our life experiences for good is to help others. God can take our experiences, especially the painful ones, and use them in a very positive way. Who better to help someone who's struggling than another person who's gone through the same struggle? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, NIV version says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Our setbacks can become the very ministry that God will use to help other people. The grief you recovered from, the illness that you recovered from, the abortion that you recovered from, the divorce that you recovered from, the substance abuse that you recovered from, all that you have overcome is now the platform for your ministry. And so God wants to use every experience in your life, good and bad, to help somebody else. And God says, I don't waste your experiences. And so in the chat right now, what, what setbacks has God used in your life? Let me know in the chat. And also, you can be transparent because God will use that very setback that you think, man, I may not want to share this, but he's going to use it as a platform for ministry that people will say, you went through that, I can get through it as well. Our third and final point is reaching your full potential for God. How do we reach our full potential for God? Well, Scripture says this in Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Have you ever stopped to seriously ask God about his will, his plan, 
his purpose for your life? Are you fully willing and available to receive those answers? Questions we can ask God when it comes to fulfilling our purpose and potential are these. One, God, what do you want to do in my life? Two, what potential lies before me? Three, what do you desire for me? And four, what do you want to do through my life, God? God, what do you want to do through my life? In this final slide, Secretariat has already won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes. And if he wins this race, the Belmont Stakes, he's a triple crown winner. The Belmont Stakes is a race for three-year-old thoroughbreds run at Belmont Park in Elmont, New York. It's a distance of a mile and a half. The race nickname is the Test of the Champion. The Test of Champions. It's a traditional third and final leg of the Triple Crown. And the race covers one full lap around Belmont Park, known as the Championship Track, because nearly every major American horse has competed on that racetrack. Belmont Park, with its large, wide, sweeping turns and long home stretch, is considered one of the fairest racetracks in America. Despite the distance, the race tends to favor horses with tactical speed. Relatively few winners close from behind the early leaders. Could Secretariat go the distance and win or run up the track instead of down the track? Secretariat did the impossible. He won the, the race, won the longest of lengths, 31 length winner. The excitement builds as he, he the lead builds, and, and people just can't believe it. They're worried that he went out too fast. The pace is unbearable. Can he maintain that pace? As the race comes to the last turn, there is silence. Scripture is quoted from Job chapter 39. He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side, along with a flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. As soon as the words trumpet sounds are said, you hear these hoofbeats, and he rounds the corner. All you see are his legs eating up track, dust flying as the song, Oh, Happy Day, rings out, and Secretariat literally runs away with the wind. And three people closest to Secretariat say these words. As he's running down the final stretch, his owner, Penny, yells, let him run, Ronnie, which is the jockey, Ron Turcott. And, he, and she, she throws her arms in glee that he can go faster and faster. And then the trainer, Lucian, jokingly but seriously warns, don't fall off, Ronnie, as he sees the race is already won and the finish line is clear. If the jockey falls off the horse, the horse loses. And then there's the secretariat, secretariat's groom, his stable guy, his caretaker, his keeper, the one who sleeps with him, the one who feeds him, the one that rubs him down after a tough race as he watches his horse fly down the track 
Eddie whispers, there you go, Red, with deep emotion. There's a villain in this story as well. At least in the movie, it's the horse, Sham. Obviously, not the horse, but the one who controls him. Sham was sent out to destroy Secretariat by pushing him early to a crazy, fast pace, hoping he would burn out before the end of the race. Sound familiar? An evil enemy who not only hopes for you and me to be defeated, but sets out to stalk us actively, pushing us into a style of running or living that's not good for us, pushing us to indulge in temptation, challenging us to go faster and farther than is healthy for us. And so instead of running a strong race in life, we're broken. But put yourself in Secretariat's race thinking for your life as a believer. Jesus as our champion in the stands. If you can spiritually image this, in the stands saying, run your race. The Holy Spirit who lives within us saying intimately to us, there you go. That's the way you're supposed to live. This is what I've made you to be. Go get them. And God the Father, your guide and your protector, saying, don't fall off. Hold on to the word of God. We are bound to win. Here are three principles about our potential as we begin to close today. The word of God presents key principles that are vital for our understanding of potential. Number one, we have to understand this. Every person has potential. God has formed us and placed in us skills, gifts, that only you have been given to basically show him, show the world and display his glory in a very unique way. And so every person has potential, no matter how much you may have achieved already, no matter how much um, you've gained, or even how old you are, or young you are, there's still more God has for you to be and to do. The second principle about our potential is that every person has been created by God to bring him glory. How do we accomplish that? By being the people that he has made us to be as individuals and then collectively as his church and by fulfilling the purposes that he has for us here on this earth. And then number three, no one can reach his or her potential without the Father's help. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't do this in our own wisdom. We need God's strength. We need God the Father's strength and power. We need his wisdom to what? Fulfill and reach the potential that we have. And so this week, think about those things as you go about your life and your journey as a believer. One, you have potential. Two, you were created by God to give him glory. And as you rely on God's help, you can reach your full potential. May I offer a prayer? Father, I thank you that you have invested in us so many different gifts and talents and skills and uniqueness that you formed each and every person that's online right now, 
who's watching this message. I, I pray, Father, that you would strengthen them and give them the wisdom and those answers that you have a purpose for their life and a plan for their life, and that plan is to do good and so to prosper them. Help them to understand that each and every day as they take these steps of walking in faith. I pray, Lord, that we would run this week and we would run to win. And any setback that comes, we know that it has a purpose as we reach our potential in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.